welcome to What About Us, a podcast that looks at policies and the issues of the day and how they affect rural Tennesseans. I'm the host, Sandy Rice. I'm recording this episode on October 29th, but will not go on to the Tennessee Holler site until after the election on November 6th. Of course, the election is November 3rd. I can't believe it. I hope that you have listened to some of the great candidates I interviewed and hope I will have them again as new state senators and representatives to talk with me in the coming months and especially when the Tennessee legislative session begins in January 2021. Thanks to the Tennessee Holler for all the great work they do in holding our elected officials accountable for what they say and do. Listen to the other great podcasts on the network. Rocky Top Sunrise has a great one on the TVA, which seems to be in the news lately. Today our episode is entitled, A Confederate General, One Family Story. My guest is Lewis Rice, my husband and a true Southerner. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. <laughs> Besides being married to me, what is your claim to fame? My claim to fame? Uh, well, uh, my great-grandfather, Edmund Kirby Smith, was the uh, last Confederate general to surrender. And uh, uh, after the war, he came to Sewanee, to the University of the South, and settled here to teach mathematics. That was his second career, because he was an artillery general, and in those days you had to be a very good mathematician to get the shells to fall where you wanted them to fall. Okay. And how are you related to him? He is my great-grandfather. Uh, he was my mother's grandfather, and... Yeah, he was my mother's grandfather, my great-grandfather. Okay, so what, what are your memories about hearing uh, about this famous person as you were growing up? Well... Born, born and raised in the South. Yeah, we, uh, I, mean, I grew up in Atlanta, but my mother grew up here in Sewanee, Tennessee. And there was a monument to the general uh, right out in the uh, middle of University Avenue, there was a, uh, um, his, his, he's buried in the university cemetery, and there's a rather uh, ornate uh, grave, uh, tombstone, I guess you'd call it, but it's, uh, it's, it's like an obelisk with stuff on four sides. And, you know, it was a uh, kind of a big deal that the uh, General Kirby Smith was my grandfather. I guess my first memory of it being a big deal was as a little bitty boy uh, visiting at my grandmother's house in Swanee. And in those days, they had his ceremonial sword. And grandma would take it out of the, uh, into, out of a little alcove in the, in the living room, you know, and it was in a case and she'd open it up and she'd take, bring it out in its sheath, and then she'd take take it out of the sheath, uh, this big silver blade, and, you know, shoot, it was taller than I was. And, you know, if you're a three-year-old kid, you're saying, wow, that's pretty neat. Uh, those are my first memories. So he was always celebrated as a Confederate general. Well, I mean, yes, and also... Celebrated as uh, having been a, a great mathematics professor. Okay, so both. Yeah. Okay. He was. 
but on the monument. On the monument, he was certainly uh, celebrated as a general. Okay. So you lived and worked in Atlanta and attended the University of the South. Right. And actually came up here in I came up and worked. Yes, I, was, I went to school here from 69 to 73, graduated in 73, and then came back to the university in 1983 and went to work in the uh, Office of Development uh, in the fundraising operation at the university. Okay, so while you were here in 1983 for a few years, you started a tradition of having a Confederate Memorial Day, which is April 26th. Having a Confederate Memorial Day party. party. Right. Right. Which is April 26th. Okay. And, you know, that, that Confederate Memorial Day had been something that, uh, I mean, it, we never had the party when I was a kid, but it would be April 26th, and my mom would say that today's Confederate Memorial Day, and 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 um, you'd uh, mother used to talk tell me about how when she was a little girl on uh, Confederate Memorial Day in Sewanee, that there would be a parade that went from. I guess the chapel up University Avenue to where the Kirby Smith Monument was, and my my mother, as the uh, youngest granddaughter of General Kirby Smith, would carry the Confederate flag at the front of the parade, and this it was all this the whole thing was done by the United Daughters of the Confederacy. The uh, um, monument itself was put up in the. Uh, late 30s or early 40s, by the United Daughters of the Confederacy. Okay. okay. Um, but the party was mint juleps and southern food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there was a, uh, you know, there was an invitation. There was a uh, poem, a fellow named Oliver Reeves, who had been the poet laureate of Georgia, had written and uh, began how many years ago have they, since wore the uniform of gray, last looked upon their summer snow of dogwood blooming below their summer skies and friendly sun, etc. And, you know, the whole notion, I guess, was uh, to, uh, you know, remember the Confederate dead, those who uh, died in the service of what we all thought of in those days as the lost cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. But we weren't playing. We weren't playing Dixie and waving the uh, battle flag or anything like that. It was simply a uh, excuse to get together and eat and drink and and uh, remember and honor the Confederate dead, for lack of a better phrase. Okay. Okay. The lost cause. The it was lost. positive. Yeah. Positive. And this was something to be, you know, proud of. Yeah. To that's be what, a, 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 a Kirby Smith. Yes, yes, yes. It was something to be proud of. Proud that your great-grandfather was a Confederate general. So stop the presses. Somehow you got offered a job in Illinois. Yes, I did. <laughs> and I left, Sham- I left Swanee and I moved to Champaign, Illinois, and took the uh, tradition of having the uh, Confederate Memorial Day mint julep party to Illinois with me and uh, with the same gray folded invitations that were sent out with uh, uh, with the poem printed on the inside 
and uh, it became something of a uh, um, cause celeb up there. The, uh, it was a novelty. Um, it was a novelty, and it was just something that people thought was uh, rather wacky. But uh, um, lots and lots of people, you know, 40 or 50 people would come to it. And, uh, and you would cook all Southern food. I'd cook, I'd cook red beans and rice and, and barbecue and, 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 yeah, Southern Southern food, cheese grits, that sort of thing. People, things that people in Illinois had never eaten. And tell us about your mint juleps. And the mint juleps, they were... Uh, um, they were very traditional. They were very traditional, but, but they served in uh, uh, silver mint julep cups. Uh, mint julep is essentially just bourbon and uh, crushed mint and some simple syrup and shaved ice. And the, uh, the silver makes the... Uh, uh, shaved ice that's in the cup. It gets all frosty around the sides. You put a sprig of mint in it and stick your nose down in the mint to sniff it as you sip it from a straw. It's a, uh, it's, it, it's a nice drink. It's, it's fun. Okay, what was the reaction to your friends in Illinois, these, these Yankees, to, to the party? They thought it was a novelty. And, Not um, any pushback? Uh, oh, gosh. Maybe... I think I heard tell of one person who thought that it was uh, an offensive idea. And I uh, also had, uh, had, had pushback from a couple of people in Sewanee when I was having the party in Sewanee from 83 to 88 that it was a uh, offensive idea. And, you know, I'll back up and say that while I was still drinking the Lost Cause Kool-Aid, if you will, I had changed my mind about whether the Confederate battle flag, that's the flag that uh, has the, uh, cross, the, the cross stars on the red background, the cross of St. Andrew, uh, I had changed my mind about whether or not that was an appropriate symbol to be displaying at all. I, uh, it had, uh, uh, even in the mid-80s then, I was, it had occurred to me that that was tantamount to flying a swastika. And, uh, and, and people had... The, uh, the the skinheads, the uh, the uh, people who uh, the the neo Nazis who marched in Skokie, Illinois, and the ACLU took up their cause as uh, uh, freedom of speech. In addition to displaying the swastika, were displaying the Confederate flag, and it seemed to me that. And I told people this, that if, uh, if uh, Southern heritage is something that is so important to you, where were you when these horrible people appropriated that Confederate battle flag for their own vile purposes? But it had gotten to the point where it was offensive, 
It made people uncomfortable if they saw it displayed, especially African Americans, of course, if they saw it displayed. And, uh, and it was a, uh, it was just in bad taste to display it, and so I didn't. Uh, I'll back up a little bit about Confederate Memorial Day. When, when I was in law school in Macon, Georgia from 1974 to 1977, there was a section of Rose Hill Cemetery in Macon where uh, Confederate soldiers were buried. And every year on Confederate Memorial Day, I guess it was the United Daughters of the Confederacy who did this, but they put a little Confederate flag in front of each one of those little tombstones. And, and then there was a tall flagpole at the top of the hill, and the, the Confederate graves came down the hill, and they flew a big con Confederate flag from a uh, battle flag from that. And I remember being kind of proud seeing that, but, and that was in 77, and it was about at that time that people were telling me that they thought that that was a bad idea. Uh, African-American friends of mine in Macon at the time said they didn't like seeing that, uh, that Confederate symbol displayed in public on a uh, on on hollowed ground, and and um, and they convinced me that their that their gripe was legitimate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so moving to Atlanta in two thousand didn't continue uh, with the parties, but there's still a lot, a lot of symbols of the Confederacy in Atlanta, Georgia. Sure. Stone Mountain. Sure. Um, sure. The Margaret Mitchell house museum and and you know even in tennessee a lot of um you know tourism based on this war uh, the civil war the war between the states and kind of romantic and noble well you know i think that's changing that, and that's changing that's changing uh to some resistance at least in the areas in the south where all of the battles were fought, uh, Shiloh, uh, um, uh, Chickamauga, Lookout Mountain, Kennesaw Mountain, uh, um, uh, Stone Sto River. Stones River, uh, those all all of those areas that are managed by the National Park Service, uh, I guess within the last decade, maybe uh, longer than that, are no longer celebrating the lost cause. What they do is they are uh, um, um, making a very powerful statement, I think, about what a horrible war it was and how brutal it was and how many people died. I mean, we, uh, you and I, a couple of years ago, went up to the Stones River uh, battlefield in Murfreesboro and I didn't see any celebration of the Confederacy. What I saw was an awful lot of uh, 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 It's horrifying. It, it's horrifying. Carnage. I mean uh, 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 Shiloh and the battle in Memphis that was those uh, were the three bloodiest days in American history 
and and then we went up to the uh, uh, just earlier this year in February we went to the battlefield in Gettysburg and my goodness that is just solemn and somber and it, it's it's all it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. now I haven't been back to the uh, cyclorama in Atlanta. A cyclorama is a uh, a round painting, a big round painting with uh, sculptures in front of it. It's, it's, it's like a 360 degree diorama where uh, you can't tell where the uh, three-dimensional figures stop and the painting starts, but there's there is a cyclorama in Gettysburg that depicts the entire battlefield at Gettysburg, and there is one in Atlanta. Pickett's Charge. That depicts the entire Battle of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Now, as a kid, as a Cub Scout, when it was down in in Grant Park and and not too far from the uh, Capitol, they would, you know, they'd play... They play Dixie over the over the loudspeaker before the uh, presentation began, and so on and so forth. The the whole thing has been taken down, restored, cleaned up, reassembled, and rehung uh, in a, in another part of town, a little further north, at the Atlanta History Center. And I haven't been back to see to see it since this reinstallation, but. It wouldn't surprise me if they weren't playing jaunty Dixie tunes and so on and so forth. And in fact, they talked about the horror of war rather than mm-hmm. uh, the noble cause. And then it all came to a head, as uh, as it did nationwide. Uh, well, a couple, you know, a couple of awful things happened. First, uh, 2012 or whenever the uh, um, the horrible shooting at the African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, uh, Dylan Roof went in and, uh, you know, killed however many people there. It was terrible. At, at which point the, uh, I think that was a flashpoint that caused an awful lot of people to say, you know, maybe it's time to start taking down all of these Confederate monuments. I know that, you know, Nikki Haley, the governor of South Carolina at the time, who one would hardly call a, a, a flaming liberal, uh, you know, worked for Trump, but she said we need to take the Confederate flag off of the grounds of the state house at South Carolina and move it someplace else. Prior to that, you know. The flag of the state of Georgia had a uh, had the Confederate battle flag incorporated into it. That was added in 1956 in direct response to Brown versus Board of Education ma- mandating the integration of public schools. And uh, you and I moved to Atlanta in 2000, and there was a gubernatorial election going on at that time, and the governor said, you know, it's, I think it's time to uh, take the Confederate flag off of the state flag of Georgia 
and he kind of got booted out of office for that, mm-hmm. uh, among other reasons. But that uh, that certainly didn't help his reelection chances. And and then after Charlottesville, of course, the uh, you know with uh, the poor girl getting run down in the street, and then Trump saying that there were very fine people on both sides. Uh, that and the 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 instant the I think what led up to that instant was a protest in Charlottesville about removing Confederate statues, maybe not from the campus of the University of Virginia, but from public spaces in Charlottesville. And it was shortly after that the uh, the uh, uh, big upheaval in Charlottesville that the university decided it was time to take down the monument to uh, General Kirby Smith. Now this was a, it's a stone monument, kind of semicircular, with a uh, with a with a bas relief plaque of the general's head and shoulders, and he is dressed in his Confederate uniform. He's not dressed in an academic gown, and so the uh, the uh, the university took that down and moved it and built another built another sort of display plinth for it and mounted it on the on on that thing uh, behind General Kirby Smith's grave in Swanee, and. Was the family consulted on this Well, uh, one member of the family wrote the vice chancellor and said he thought that it should be moved. And the vice chancellor took that letter from one member of the family as instruction that the, uh, that the uh, family was behind it. But no, other, the other members of the family weren't... And- consulted and when I talked to some of my cousins about it we we were all in agreement pretty much that moving that monument was the right thing to do we were just kind of miffed that nobody said anything to us <laughs> about it before but um, it's it's got to be and the vice chancellor pointed out to me that it's got to be said that I mean the university of the South right now, and I think it began in 2015 or 2016. Uh, that Charlottesville thing was 2017. Um, I think it was about 2015 that the university began something called a race and reconciliation project, trying to grapple the with the trying to grapple with the complicated history of the University of the South. There are, you know. There weren't any slaves up on top of this mountain when the university was founded in 1858, and certainly when it was rechartered after the war in 1868, there weren't any slaves. But Jim Crow was a uh, you know the uh, African Americans were here to do the nasty work and know their place. That's and 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 the founders 
of the uh, university. The actual founding of the university may have been a celebration by the planter class of the superiority of the white race. I don't know. I may be going too far in saying that, but the whole notion was for people who, you know, in Memphis or Mississippi or Alabama, uh, when yellow fever and malaria and such were a concern, being able to send their kids up to this mountaintop instead of having to send them up to uh, Ivy League schools in New England was the selling point for the university. And so this whole grappling with the complicated history of the university, there, were, there was about to be a presentation about that, and the vice chancellor said, now is a good time to go ahead and move this plaque. Well, I went to a couple of those seminars, and, you know, with the idea of uh, spouting off and saying I was miffed that I hadn't been consulted about all of this, and heard students stand up and talk about how a monument to a Confederate general at the center of campus made them uncomfortable. And you know what? If, uh, believe it or not, the university is supposed to be run with the students abide. <laughs> and if, 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 if it was making people uncomfortable, it seemed to me that it was the right thing to do. And so I never did spout off about how miffed I was about it being a, uh, about not being consulted. Shortly after that first uh, community meeting, because uh fellow that you've had on your podcast before, John Willis, a history professor here at the university, wrote me and said that one of his students was in the process of writing a paper about General Kirby Smith, the uh, moving of the uh, plaque, and so on and so forth. And he said that he thought that the student might benefit from talking to me. And so I met the, met the kid. And we met over at Sterling's, had a uh, cup of coffee, and started talking. And it was in the course of talking to this student that I said to him, I said, you know, now this is a fellow that I had been brought up to respect and revere and celebrate my whole life. And even as we speak, I am grappling with the concept that this guy was a traitor. And am I allowed to be proud of a traitor anymore? And, and, and it was, it was the, that concept with the student. I was just thinking out loud at the time when it, I had to say, yes. He was a traitor. He took up arms against the United States. He went to West Point. He was educated on the U.S. nickel. And, and, and so all of these guys that we are revering as heroes, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, uh, Jeb Stewart, uh, and my great-grandfather, uh, they're all traitors. There was a uh, call 
for for him to be hanged for treason, and Lincoln prevailed upon the uh, the uh, uh, Congress and the uh, um, uh, Justice Department and what and the, the the military at the time. No, we will grant them amnesty and we will welcome them back into the country. Shows you what a big guy Lincoln was. So, but so how do you reconcile this family member with what he was? Well, first I have to uh, um, uh, concede that he was a traitor. Now, I don't know. But do you feel like your history has been erased and your heritage has been robbed from you? No, no. If we're going to have a national dialogue on race and and a reexamination of uh, systemic racism in America at all levels, you have to uh, come to grips with the fact that a that we were founded as a slave nation. I mean, it's written into the Constitution that a slave is three fifths of a person for for uh, uh, representational purposes, and that we need to be re-examining all these aspects of not only our history, but of our society. And I, th- I think it's a healthy thing for us to be doing this. Mm-hmm. That I, it, I, I'm, I'm glad that I have re-examined the way I think about it. Uh, what makes you di- what What makes you different from President Trump and a lot of our neighbors here in Franklin County? Uh, as an update, if y'all listened um, earlier this year to a presentation podcast with Shanae Williams, who was trying to get the Rebel High School mascot changed in Franklin County, and because it was hurtful, right. and the playing of Dixie. Well, I think they stopped doing that. But uh, it finally went before the school board right. and was defeated right. five to three. It was very contentious in the community. Sure. Uh, because of the things I asked you. It's erasing the heritage. You're trying to change history. Um, why are you different? I think people don't like to admit they're wrong. Okay. Uh, that's... For, that's one thing. I mean, it's, 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 I have. I'm admitting I was wrong. I was. I'm admitting that I was wrong to believe the lost cause narrative, to think that Gone with the Wind was a romantic notion, and that you know this whole business of uh, 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 happy slaves. That, I think that's a contradiction in terms. If you're a slave, I don't see how you could possibly be happy. That no matter. If, whether you're in the big house or out of the cotton field, you're still somebody's property. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, I, and I, I don't think people like to uh, um, reflect upon stuff that they have been told all their life was okay and then suddenly it's not okay. I, I think the um, open-mindedness and appreciation of history and willing to re-examine, have a dialogue um, with other people 
you know, makes a difference. Yeah. And I think many times there's a resistance to that. There's a knee-jerk reaction to that's changing history or that's not how I remember it or everybody was happy when I went to high school. There were no problems. Yes. And now that African Americans, because of Black Lives Matter and George Floyd's death, for everyone to see sure. his dying and his treatment has given uh, African Americans a voice. They've always felt that they were not treated well for 150 and more years and now have a voice and have come forward to voice their disagreement with symbols that celebrate a heritage that they're not part of or that they were or that they were part of in a negative way. Right. Re-examining history we're not erasing history. I think it helps us to understand history better. And hopefully to grow and form a more perfect union. Let's hope so, yes. So with that, I think we'll let it go. No action plan. No action plan. Well, I think we've concluded. Uh, it's kind of a, a... Thank you for thank you for inviting me into your home to have this. <laughs> we have a picture of the general. We do. On the wall. The general is on the wall. And he doesn't have an X over his face or anything. He's just there because... That just is. That's that's part of, of your history. That's part of my history. And, and my history now, too. Yeah, that's my great-grandfather. He's up there on the wall. But, uh, I mean, it's one thing to have him up there on the wall. It's another thing to have him in the public square <laughs> in a Confederate uniform, mind you. If he were in an academic robe, we wouldn't be having this discussion at all. That's right. Well, thank you, honey. And oh, you're thank welcome. thank you to um, Tennessee Holler uh, for having... Uh, what about us? Go to tnholler.com um, to check out the other podcasts, sign up for the newsletter, and make a donation if you like what you see. The Tennessee Holler is people-powered. Thank you.